You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I am your host, the Football Grump. With me, as always, if you, even if you can't see him, is Mike, the Cranky Fan. And we are back on a Sunday night recording for your Monday morning listening pleasure for the Monday night game preview against the Seattle Seahawks at home at MetLife. Only the second game at home. First one that Cranky's going to attend, right? Yeah, you know, the... The Florida-Kentucky game was so awful on Saturday, I just can't show my face in public, so you will not see my face. Um, that and also my um, webcam is broken, so you will not get to see this beautiful mug tonight. Um, if you want to see beauty, go watch Taylor Swift every 13 seconds on this Sunday night broadcast. But they still have the other half of the screen that I'm on, so there's plenty of beauty still to go around. <laughs> okay, gotcha. <laughs> um so yeah, this is this is kind of cool. The the Giants play Monday night, uh, obviously tonight when you guys are listening to this. So we got the benefit of watching all the games this weekend before going forward um, with the Giants preview. Um, but during this Just Giants preview, the Giants versus Seahawks game, I will be drinking beer by Fort Nonsense Brewing. Why am I promoting a beer for no money? Because they're a relatively small company that makes a quality product, and they deserve advertising by word of mouth by their satisfied customers. And that is a situation that is not completely unlike the podcast that you're listening to or viewing right now. So please follow my lead and spread the word about Just Giants to your fellow Giants fans, football fans, and try Fort Nonsense beer for yourself. So today was actually a really fun day of NFC East football. The Commanders-Eagles game was we both predicted a blowout. Yeah. And that one went into overtime, slinging Sam Howell. You know, I had to start reevaluating how I look at the the NFL and even college football. I have to start taking more of a baseball mentality where every individual game seems to be more and more random. You know, how do we know how good these teams actually are? Well, when we get to the end of the season, we kind of know. Like, it's a trend. It's a, a, a complete body of work because I got to tell you, Grump, I don't know shit from Shinola anymore. I am awful in my picks. I'm in a confidence pool, which I'm terrible every week. You know, every time I think I know something, I am wrong. I mean, this looked like on paper this was going to be we, – we, we both thought that Philly was, had righted themselves after the Tampa Bay game. We thought, you know, they're at home – division rival and it was it was a struggle it was uh you know kudos to washington and you know these are weird games i don't know how you feel uh grump but i look at games like this to me i look about you know i set aside personal hatred and to me it's what is the best situation for the giants and i think it's pretty safe to say the odds are, if we're making the postseason, it's most likely going to be for because of a wild card. So it's not that I was rooting necessarily for Philly. I was definitely rooting against Washington. And, you know, every time I root for anything, the mush is in full effect. Um, but, you know, Sam Howell, he impressed. Um, you know, 
you could see there's something there that he you know could be a concern going forward with him as, as a quarterback in this division and in this conference. Uh, I was pretty impressed. Um, you know, that looked like a kind of a flat Philly team, to be very honest. Um, even the crowd didn't seem like it was, you know, super into it. Um, it's but, always weird when they show a bunch of children in the crowd at a Philly game. <laughs> yeah, it's just future, uh, either current juvenile delinquents or future, <laughs> future felons. I think every kid in that shot had a rap sheet already. <laughs> um, Before- yeah, so so here's the thing. Eric Bieniemy is probably a bigger upgrade to Washington than Sam Howell was. Mm-hmm. Um, but that being said... He, Sam Howell was impressive in this game. You know, coming off of a game where he had four picks, made a bunch of bad decisions, forced a lot of stuff. This was a game where he didn't really force anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that there's some level of Philly's defense. Like, I don't think they want to think about James Bradbury and Darius Slay being long-term corners for this team. And yeah. both continue to be... like. They were fully moved on from Darius Slay and then had no better options and resigned him, right? Isn't that what That's happened? That's correct. Yeah. That's correct. Yes. And it's it's clear at this point that he is just an average starting quarterback, uh cornerback. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He is just being smoked left and right. He's not making every single play he makes in the ball is actually like a bad late throw that he's able to get a break on. They're mm-hmm. not they're like bad quarterback decisions. They're not really him doing He's working that. on his kind of knowledge and his experience more than his physical attributes at this point. Correct. Um and I think that for whatever reason Washington had the proper scheme where Sam Howell wasn't under I wouldn't call it enormous pressure. I mean mm-hmm. there were a, there was a lot of him escaping the pocket. Some of the, so mm-hmm. like a lot of it is his own magic, but once you get past the Philly front that secondary is only as good as just about like every other team in the league. It's nothing incredibly special. Um, you know, there's plenty of highlights of people like Reed Blankenship and James Bradbury doing great things, but it's usually while the quarterback is under pressure and making shitty decisions. Once they're making sound decisions, like those guys are just as average as everybody else. So. I don't know. I, I think there is some level of Washington might be a little bit more for real with Eric Bieniemy. I think there's some level of Philly may not be as tough on defense as we thought. Um, but it is still really early. This week yeah. four. And again, I think this is kind of, you know, division rivals know each other pretty mm-hmm. well. You know, I mean, again, it's a different offensive coordinator for Washington. But, the you know, you know the personnel. You have a lot of film on him. You see him twice a year. Um and not for nothing, something. Philly, Philly still won. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I got an interesting question for you. Um, you know, Washington scores late. Would you have gone for two there and just end it instead of kicking the field goal or overtime? I, so I was having this, I was watching this at a bar. I didn't stay for overtime, so I saw the overtime on my phone. Um, but I might have. I, uh, you, you know, they were kind of – it was weird. That final drive – so they they scored on literally the last second. It was a walk-off tie. Right. Um, so every play on that final drive was like either a chunk play of like eight-plus yards, mm-hmm. an incomplete pass, so it was zero yards, or a, like a horrible n- minus nine. So it, at that point – 
I just feel like you've just scored. You've got them on their heels. They were running the ball pretty well. I find it hard to believe that Eric Bieniemy doesn't have a what's essentially a fourth and two. Like and, I, I have to know that he's got a play up his sleeve. I would have went for it. I think. And Ron Rivera's nickname literally is Riverboat Ron. Well, and, yes, but, but they but, like to do that every time he goes for it on fourth, even though it's like sort of the norm at this point. At this point, it is. Yeah, but here's my thing. And you know, if you aren't the better team, and you are on the road. You want to shorten a game as much as you can. That, that's kind of what I – and, like, you have the momentum in that scenario. They're sure. kind of wondering why they're even still on the field. They feel mm-hmm. like they've won. They can't believe it. Like, I, I like that's kind of – like, once yeah. – once. so that was really – they scored on second down, right? Mm-hmm. It was first down. They had five seconds. They ran a play, and they managed to get to second down with only two seconds left. So it's essentially fourth down, even though it was second down. So at that point, you have to know. At that, at that point, I'm thinking I have the play that I'm calling for the two-point conversion in my head already. Mm-hmm. And I'm communicating to my quarterback, if we score, don't celebrate, get everyone together, get ready to run another play. And yeah. as long as you are ready, I am on board with going for two there. Absolutely. Yeah. And again, like I said... If you're not the better team, I don't want to give them more shots to do what they do best. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just you're on the road. You know, the, the, the crowd is stunned. The, you know, the defense is stunned. You know, go in there and, and, and just go for the win. Be, be aggressive. So that was, uh, you know, I just – coaches just, you know, in critical moments, they just seem to be more conservative than they should when, you know, the – the analytics say, you know, what to do, and, you know, I don't know. So that's uh, – because, you know, when you get to overtime, this is in college. You you may never get the ball. That's, you that's know? what I mean. Like, it yeah. was all too easy for Philly to march down the field. I, if you're going to lose, you might as well lose with zero seconds on the clock than the painful, slow, I didn't win the toss, this game is over. Yeah, never never got to touch the ball. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, Eric Bannamese is useless when your defense is on the field and they score and that's it. Dallas took it to New England. Now, we had this totally backward. We both thought that this would be like the ugly slog fest mm-hmm. game that the other that the non-NFC East team could possibly win. Whoops. I didn't see a single down in this game, but I by the the first time I checked the score, it was already a two-point lead for or a two-score lead for Dallas. So, 38 to 3 was that final score. Did you watch any of that game? I was watching it until it just was like, well, there's no need to, so I watched uh, the 49ers with Cranky Wife. It was uh you know, it's really something. The uh, the AFC East has two haves and two certainly have-nots right now. I mean, you might Mac Jones might be the worst starting quarterback in the league right now, who's a legitimate starter. Uh, well, are you saying Zach Wilson's not? I mean, he's a backup. He okay. he's playing now because you know the, the what's his name is hurt. But I mean, as you know, the anointed starter, he might be the worst one in the league, and. Uh, I'm not showing any tears for a team that was dominant for 20 years. and But, you know, there was certainly something interesting going on in this game where Dallas was, like, giving it to New England. Like, they faked an extra point and went for two when they're up, you know, over two scores. Um, there was a lot of showboating and a lot of clowning around by Dallas. It was just kind of like, you know, I don't know what, what the past history is, what Mike McCarthy and Bill Belichick is or anything, but... They definitely seemed like they were kind of making a point in this game. Like it was personal. Yeah. Interesting. Um, well, I mean, this is all sort of 
I, I don't know. I don't want to say bad news, but it's 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 a pain. Um, you know, Philly wins, they maintain their undefeated record. Dallas wins, they stay ahead. Um, but the Giants do have a chance to break even with Washington in this game as they play the Seattle Seahawks. So, um, we did get some injury news. So we know that Aziz Ojolari should be active for this game tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, Andrew Thomas has already been ruled out. And as of this recording, Saquon Barkley is listed as doubtful. And they're going to, we were told that they're going to take it up to game time. I'm just assuming he's out, right? Yeah, uh, Dan Duggan had a good uh, post today that he said there's been 15 players who've been doubtful since this coaching staff has taken over, and not one of those 15 people have played. It just doesn't make sense to me. Correct. Um, so how do those injuries what – what does that injury news tell you? What do you what, – what, like everything I just said, what do you make of that? How does that impact everything? I mean, not having Andrew Thomas and Saquon Barkley, you know, on the surface means you have to be be very conservative and just try to, you know, protect Daniel Jones and keep him upright as much as you can. You know, that tells me that we're probably going to have a very limited to non-existent rushing, uh, running attack. Um, that tells me that, you know, the opportunities to drop back and, and uh, you know, try to go downfield are going to be very small to non-existent again. Um, but you know, if you look at Seattle's injury report, you know, it almost is begging you to kind of take some risks and try to go downfield. I'm glad you said that because this is like, I know Giants fans would like to see Saquon Barkley come back and play to be, to hear the news that he's listed as active. He'll be in same thing with Andrew Thomas. There is no crying in baseball for this game over injuries. Okay. Seattle right now has to deal with um, – they are missing three corners for this game. Trey Brown, Artie Burns, and Kobe Bryant are all going to miss this game. Their left tackle, Charles Cross, is doubtful, and I'm pretty sure he's going to miss this game. At the same time, both tight ends, Will Disley and Noah Fant, are questionable but likely, but definitely will be playing hurt. Same thing with center Evan Brown. Their defensive end, Draymond Jones, also questionable. And they only just got Tariq Woolen back and Jamal Adams are only just coming back for the first time. This is their first game back from injury as well. So there is no excuses with injury. There's no crying about it. At this point, we've seen Josh Azudu is capable. He's not great, but he is not an embarrassment at left tackle like I assumed he would be. I don't know about you. Mm -hmm. Um, So... Yeah, it sucks, but having Aziz come back and then knowing what we know they have to go up against, Seattle is definitely dealing with the shorter end of the stick here. Yeah, and I think, you know, so I kind of questioned this last week. It's like, you know, Jalen Hyatt was only on the field. I think he had nine snaps and had no targets. And you said, well, I mean, there's no point because he's going to have no time at all. And to me, I think you have to at least try this week. I honestly do. I think... um, you know, stretching out a, a, a thin secondary, you know, even if it's even if it's for decoy purposes, just have him having run, you know, fly patterns. And even if you don't have still don't have the time to get it out to him, I just think you have to make them respect something to give the over the middle stuff a chance. Um, that's that's the first thing I would start with for sure. 
Well, what else? What else uh, on offense you got? What What else are you working into it? How's the run game factor in, etc. I mean, you know, I I just think that you know, I don't see much of a run game at all personally. I I, I know I. I, I think you just have to be more creative as you know going to uh going to the tight end more, going to the short passing game more to put your running game in more opportune uh put them in the best position to succeed, you know. Being predictable on, on first and ten running the ball, you know, that's that's not gonna work, I don't think. I think we have to we have to throw the ball more than we want to. I think I you know, I, I I said it before when the season started, and you kind of bristled a little bit when I said it. I said, this is an offense that is based primarily around Saquon Barkley, and the passing game comes around off of that. I think you have to throw that out the window for games like this. And I think you have to, you know, short passing game, utilize Waller as much as you can, Wendell Robinson in, in short passing routes and stuff. If we have any success on that at all, I think that will help loosen up for the, the running game. But I don't think you go run first in this at all. I don't think you go run first. I, I agree with just about everything you said. Um, I think you have to find ways to push the ball down the field. And the way I'm looking at this is that whatever their injuries may be, what, forget who's not playing. Think about who is playing. Mm-hmm. You have Tariq Woolen, who likes to jump routes. Jamal Adams, who likes to play downhill and fast, and Julian Love is probably going to end up playing in the slot because he's sort of that utility DB. All of those guys, they're the crashing forward guys, which means you have to find ways to push the ball down the field. Do not let those guys trigger and play downfield. Let them think. Let them be on their heels. Let them worry about what's behind them and not be laser focused on what's in front of them because if you do that, that's where the turnovers come. And I know that... We can say that all of the interceptions other than one have been not Daniel Jones's fault, but it's been the fault of the offensive game plan. Every time that you everything is just within the first eight yards around the line of scrimmage, players crash down on that. And that's why you get balls tipped up into the air. It's not like every single interception was just through the hands of a wide receiver. Yeah, so, that's right. Especially the first one, you know, the, the Barkley one in, in in week one against Dallas. He got crunched right as he was about to catch it. And the one last week, I mean, it may have been in somewhat garbage time, but that was really just a matter of like, if we're just going to keep throwing quick hitters, they're going to trigger on it. And yeah, it's and they're not in space. They, if you're going to, you know, you need to get these guys into some more space. And you know something? That might mean maybe you have to take an extra step or two. You know, I, I, if we're going to design a game plan where we're so afraid that Andrew Thomas isn't going to play and everything is a quick two-step drop and throw, maybe we just have to, you know, just have a little bit of faith in this offensive line. I mean, you know, we have everybody, everybody's playing except for Andrew Thomas, right? You have to. I mean, you have to have faith in that. Like, you, yeah. you cannot alter your whole offense because one lineman is out. I, I understand how important it is, but you will never get success against good teams if you make yourself one-dimensional. And that means if your entire offense is the short passes and you're just playing to the sticks, if we just get five yards on every pass play, we will have drives. It's not going to work that way. And there's plenty of offenses out there that work off of the quick game. Like, you can have a bunch formation to the right side, right? 
where it looks like it's going to be a wide receiver screen. So you have two wide receivers come up like they're going to make blocks. One guy take two steps behind the line of scrimmage and then have the two guys who are supposed to be blocking release and go downfield. If they're sitting on wide receiver screens and all of their game film says that we're going to do everything really close to the line of scrimmage, that shit should work, man. Mm-hmm. That I mean, that's essentially a double move. You're playing off of their... Uh, their perception of your tendencies like this is where you can use those past games that looked like shit and work them to your advantage and i think they need to do that the middle of the field has to be opened up and utilized and the only way you do that is if you stretch it and throw the ball downfield i don't give a shit if jalen hyatt is in double coverage just overthrow him then but throw the ball yeah i mean i even care if those passes are incomplete as long as they're not thrown into coverage where they can be picked but it's okay sometimes some incompletions are better than others. And just raising an eyebrow to say we took a shot or a second shot, that changes everything. Watch where the safeties are after that. Watch everything after that. So Absolutely right. And th- those those like 10 to 12 to 15-yard in routes and out routes and stuff, they all open up when you throw the 30-yard flag route. You know what I mean? Let's try to stay out of the mindset of playing for first downs. Yes. I mean, but, this but, team, without without a running game, it's going to be very difficult to have long, sustained, successful drives. I mean, we have to have the whiff of a chance of an explosive play. 100%. And, and also, their intermediate group of Julian Love and Jordan Brooks and um, Bobby Wagner, those guys are great in pass coverage. They're really good. But this is where having... Paris Campbell, Sterling Shepard, Wandell Robinson, Darren Waller, and Daniel Bellinger, you have five guys to their three good coverage guys. When you line up, there should be a mismatch somewhere. You should be able to find that. If you're going to do the short pass, the hot route, the within seven yards of the line of scrimmage pass, you need to find that mismatch at the snap and just know where it is because there should be mismatches there. They're 31st in the league in in pass defense, too. We're not talking about, you know, a team that blankets receivers. And, you know, we're talking about they give up 328 yards a game passing. Now, I don't think we, you know, are we going to get 328 yards? That'd be a wonderful number. But, you know, that just tells me that there are, there are things you can exploit. And there, you know, this is not the airtight defense that we might have faced in some of these other games earlier this year. And you know what? I know that this isn't going to be a run first game, and I don't expect it to be a run first game, but do not be dimensional. The amount mm-hmm. of times they ran the ball last week, I understand they played San Francisco. That game is in a vacuum. You treat the best team in the NFC with a different set of gloves. But this is not the best team in the NFC. This should be the team that we match up evenly with. And you're playing, you know, somewhat hurt, missing Andrew Thomas, missing Saquon Barkley. That's a huge thing. But don't be one-dimensional. So if you need to roll Daniel Jones out to throw the ball, then roll him out. Do whatever it takes to continue to throw the ball down the field. Use Matt Breida in zone read stuff. You know why? Mm -hmm. Because Daniel Jones running on zone read stuff is really effective. So if you can get that going with Matt Breida, then that's like – that's without Saquon Barkley, Daniel Jones is now your second best runner, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, that's just the way it is. And you know what? We, we bitched and moaned – I bitched and moaned. The decision's been made about Josh Corbin, 
or, or Jay Sean Corbin, Eric Gray, whatever. Th- that roster decision's already been made. It is what it is. But now you have you have what you have. Eric Gray is not going to give you anything on offense yet. It's clear he doesn't understand pass protection duties. Fine. That's okay. But you have Gary Brightwell, who does understand those things and does give you something. You've had 10, 11 days to prepare for this game. I hope you have something for him to be useful. Mm-hmm. There should be some level of short yardage. Uh, Gary Brightwell had probably the longest offensive play or one of the longest offensive plays against the 49ers with like a screen pass that he took like 25 yards. He's not useless. Use him. Find a way to make these guys useful. That's my you know, that's my run game rant. Anyone there are great too. Like it's okay to use him for a snap or two also if you want to. I mean, just because he's having a lot of problems pass blocking, you know, if it's going to be an obvious run play or something, you can use him for a snap or two and see what happens. Sure. I mean, it's not like oh my god, he's in the game. Everybody get ready for eleven man on the line. They're not going to do that. So you know, just just don't be. We're going to have to work around not having our you know, our two best guys on offense in the game, you have to be creative. And, you know, this coaching staff, we praise and lauded last year and, you know, as being creative and thinking outside the box a little bit. So, you know, now's your chance. You've had extra time to prepare for this game. We didn't play since last Thursday. Um, You know, show me something. You got anything more on the offense or can I flip the defense? Let's go to defense. All right. Versus the run. Defensive line, you've got no excuses with these injuries that Seattle is dealing with. Even if some of their offensive linemen are playing, they're clearly playing hurt. There were a ton of guys that that practiced hurt all week for Seattle. I mean, like, the list wasn't even worth typing out. It was like half the roster was hurt. (laughs) So they, they need to win in the trenches, and they need to collapse from outside. I would like to see McFadden play against the run the same way he did last week against the 49ers. He was playing out of his mind. Mm-hmm. Um, shooting gaps, creating havoc in the backfield. That's going to have to happen. Corners, stay disciplined. Guys like Charbonnet and Kenneth Walker, they are game changers as as running backs. They can reverse the field. They can make guys miss and keep plays extended and do all kinds of crazy. Can't let that happen. Be responsible. Stay disciplined. Keep contained. Don't try to be a hero. Do your job and do your job only. Keep the outsides Keep everything funneling into the tackles. That's versus the run. Versus the pass. Again, defensive line, no excuses. Help or otherwise, they don't have Charles Cross. So Thibodeau, Ojolari, Ward, Ziminez, you need to collapse versus Forsyth and Curhan. Stone Forsyth, the Florida guy, right? He's a Florida guy. And yeah. You know, so I think I'm, he was not that good. He was, yeah, he was meh. Yeah. The fact that he's a starting left tackle in this league, and I was looking, going through the, you know, my, my prep for the show, and I saw that, I was like, oh my goodness, he's, he's still in the league. Good for yeah. him. Um, Dexter, Leo, Ashawn. I'm assuming Jordan Riley's going to play this game. Pressure from the inside is important on Geno Smith. He is a solid pocket mover. He's not. I mean, everyone was like, he's not a mobile guy, but he can move. He's a great quarterback in the pocket. He really does understand pressure. He's got a good internal clock. He knows how to slide. He's got good footwork. Eyes are always downfield. That means that we can't have just a corner coming in on a blitz, and that's the only guy getting home because he'll he'll make him miss and make a play downfield. It's got to be a collective effort. Um, slot corner I- linebacker. They're going to need to shine. 
This is going to be the key in this game. They need to generate pressure. They need to take away hot routes. And they need to keep the checkdowns and the slants in front of them. Because with all the injuries that Seattle has, I think Geno is going to be kind of moving around. Um, They need to be the ones that keep the game under control. Because if the middle of the field is opened up by Seattle, we won't stand a chance. And most importantly, the secondary, they need to get physical right now. We've talked ad nauseum about the tackling. It's unacceptable. But this is a game where they need to be physical in all aspects of the game. They're going up against DK Metcalf, who's one of the most physical wide receivers in the game. He is salivating right now at the thought of breaking five tackles and taking one of the house and pushing off of corners the whole way up the route to get open and get separation because he does that. You can't see my notes, but I have DJ Metcalf versus Banks. Yikes. <laughs> my notes because, you know, this is where rookie corners, they, you know, he's been playing for a few games now, but is still does not have 100% confidence that he can play at the NFL level. And a guy like DK Metcalf will be physical. And, you know, if he burns him early or something, or just, you know, gets physical, then he could, he could all of a sudden start seeing ghosts right there and then. So it is very important that he kind of grows up a little bit and, you know, has faith in his abilities and just, you know, play physical with him, play tough. Um, my big thing about this thing with the defense is, to me, it all revolves around stopping the run because I, I got some numbers for you, bro. Hit me. Geno Smith, play action. When he's playing off play action, is 29 of 35 for 369 yards this year with two touchdowns and no picks. He is fantastic off of play action. And play action works when your running game is working. If we can shut the run down and put a real concentrated effort to to shut the run down early, that's a part of his game that will not be effective and they may go away from a little bit. So, you know, Gino is one of those guys that's been around the league a long time. Um... You know, I wish he was still our backup quarterback. That's for sure. Um, I don't. I don't buy any of this nonsense that this is a revenge game or anything. It doesn't. There's no reason to say it's a revenge for anything. But you know, he's crafty, and you know, when I saw these numbers, I'm like, you know, let's take away something that he's really good at. So to me, this whole thing starts with stopping the run. This team has been leaky with the running game. This is this is where they really have to step up. If their offensive line is you know, got lots of holes and lots of injuries and stuff. You're right. There is zero excuse. If we can't stop the run, we can't dominate the line of scrimmage. We can't get in the backfield. You know, what's going to happen the rest of this year? You know, this is a real test. And this is a test they need to pass. Um, Not only for this game, but just to build confidence going forward for the rest of the year. So to me, stop the run. Stop Stop doing what Gino does best and put them behind the eight ball a little bit. And yeah, you're, you're hundred percent right because with the injuries that they have, if they can find an exploitation with the safe play of handing it off, they will ride it until it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, on special teams, along the same lines of like the obvious stuff, like stop the run. Um, Special teams, for a game like this, when you're missing your left tackle and you're still trying to figure out the flow of your offense and get a a game-to-game rhythm, Mm -hmm. special teams just needs to play mistake-free football. That's all that's needed right now, which means secure catches, 
Go by the standard of when to fair catch and when not. Just use your rule of thumb. Better snaps from Casey Kreider. We've been seeing some shitty ones lately. Continue some good holds from Jamie Gillen. And if Jamie Gillen can have some consistent punts, that's kind of what we... Just, just, just be average on special teams. I don't need the flash, but I definitely don't need the duds. The bottom line is these are two teams that just want to get out of here with a win. I don't think nobody's looking for style points. Nobody's looking to, you know, wow anybody. I'll take style points. If we can win by a huge margin, I'll feel good because this is obviously a test, right, and where this team belongs. Yeah, but I think, you know, step one is they need the win. Step they one need, is they need a win. They desperately need to win, you know. Forget all of it. Forget about the playoffs right now. I mean, let's talk about they need to have a win. One and three. You know, you know how this town is. I mean, you know, we have this jet game on right now, and it's seventeen nothing. It could be forty-four to nothing, as far as I'm concerned. And you know, we're gonna have one angry fan base in this town. If the Giants fall to one and three, with Miami coming up, with Buffalo coming up, you know, you're gonna lose. You know, this locker room is, you know, can become pretty fragile pretty quickly. So they have to win this game, you know, and, and forget even the playoffs just to live another day and to build momentum getting into the next very difficult stretch of this uh, of this schedule. Keep it going. Give me your prediction and score. Let's stop with the, the Giants can't win in prime time. The reason they can't win in prime time has been very simple. Over the last decade, the Giants have not been a very good team, but the Giants are a very popular team. So they will be on TV when they're playing Dallas and they're playing the 49ers and they're playing Kansas City and Green Bay, teams that are really good. And they are basically mismatches. The game could be at 8 o'clock on Sunday. It could be on at 4 in the morning on Wednesday. It doesn't matter. They're probably going to lose. This is the Seattle Seahawks. This is not the Seattle Seahawks that came into the Meadowlands and won a Super Bowl. This is not the Seahawks with the Legion of Boom. This is not Russell Wilson. This is a average football team. This is a team the Giants should win. They're at home. It's not like there's going to be 20, 30,000 Seahawks fans in attendance. They will be Giant fans at this game. Um, and I think with the injuries on, on Seattle, I think offsets what we have you know, you know, not having Andrew Thomas, not having Saquon Barkley. I think we will find a way to win. I think this will be, you know, I think they're going to take my advice. I think you're going to see them opening up the offense more than we expect to see without Andrew Thomas. Um, I think you're going to see a lot more going to Wendell Robinson. Uh, I think you're going to see Hyatt being targeted. I think you're going to see him make a big chunk play, uh, maybe even for a touchdown. Um, I think we get that desperate win. We really, really do need. Let's give it Giants 24, Seattle 17. Interesting. I'm right there with you. This is a game they have to win. They're injured. They're not nearly as injured as Seattle. I think that in training camp, we saw Jalen Hyatt getting frustrated. He was with the third team. And even though he wasn't really doing anything with the third team because he was getting open against guys that were nobodies, we didn't have a quarterback that was pushing the ball to him, they just kind of eventually promoted him 
and when he started making plays with the second team, then they were like, oh, okay. And we, I think I think this is the game where they were like, we should have we should have tried harder to put the ball in Hyatt's hand. And that doesn't mean calling the plays on Sunday or Thursday or whenever you're playing. It doesn't mean the plays are being called. It means it's part of your game plan. Like, mm-hmm. you practiced it. This is very important that we do this. It's not just another play in our playbook. This is what we need to have happen today. So we practiced for it. It's part of the plan. I think that they realize that they've made a mistake with that, that they have been babying a little too much. And you know what? If we drop back to throw a bomb to Hyatt and Daniel Jones gets sacked because Josh Azudu is not really a left tackle, then so what? So what? And Daniel Jones is not a statue. He's not Tom Brady. Yeah. Exactly. So you know something? If... You know, if it's a civet left tackle and there's a, you know, he, first of all, he's been in this league long enough to know, and he's done a much better job of taking hits, so he doesn't put himself as much in harm way as he can. And also, with the mobility he has, he could, he could, he has a much better chance of avoiding something. Doesn't mean he has to roll out and get 30 yards out of a potential sack, but it means avoiding injury, avoiding taking the huge loss. That's what this game is going to be about, avoiding huge losses. You know, penalty on first down to make it first and 15, or a hold on first down to make it first and 20. A sack early on. The, the only way this team is going to win is having favorable second and third downs. Third and shorts. Second and medium. Now, if we're playing second and 11, second and 10, third and 9, third and 10, you're asking a lot. And, you know... Those are the type of things I think will help. Yeah, I, I think that Jalen Hyatt is going to be more part of this game. I think that the injuries that Seattle has, the guys they have coming back from injury for the first time, like Tariq Willen and Jamal Adams, they are going to be maybe a little bit – they can be – I don't know. I don't want to say exploited, but they're not going to be at their A game. I, I think that also as silly as the – sack against Brock Purdy really was with Kayvon Thibodeau, it at least broke some ice where mm-hmm. he feels a little bit more like he can just go out and play. He doesn't have a monkey on his back about he still hasn't had a sack yet, he's not getting pressure, he's not good enough, whatever. He can just go out there and play and play against the backup. And I think that all of those things come to fruition. That being said, I think it's going to be a close game. I think that we're still not very good without some of our most important pieces on offense. I think the Giants win this game in a nail-biter 26-24. I think you're going to see also a little bit of return of uh, of Waller at, at tight end. I think, you know, he didn't play well last week. I think people are bagging on a little bit over the top a little bit. I think this is the game where we see the guy we saw in preseason. Like when we were in training camp, like, wow, this guy's a monster. This guy's a mismatch. I think this is. I think we're going to see a return to beating him a lot. You know, I, again, like I said earlier, I think Wendell Robinson has. You know, he gets more and more targets. I think he makes a difference too. So it's not like we don't have the weapons out there to support. You know, worrying about the lack of a running game and worrying about without Andrew Thomas. I think it's just time we just have to start beating him. That's all I got for this episode. You got any parting thoughts? I am looking forward to the big tailgate at uh, L16. I, I missed the um, I missed the opener thanks to uh, you know 
Delta Airlines and Mother Nature, but I will be out there nice and early. I'm looking forward to seeing all of our, our friends, the Talking Giants crew, all of our our uh, giant buddies and stuff, and uh, I'm excited. So um, I'll be out there nice and early. I will too. We have a friend coming from across the pond, somebody that we met in London yeah. last year when we saw the Packers game. So uh, Twitter at uh, Giants Roddy Piper will be attending this game. I'm excited to hang out with him. He's going to be sitting with us. He'll be going to the tailgate with us. Uh, yeah, I'm just I'm excited. It sucks that it's a Monday game. It's a pain in the ass for me to get to, but I'll get there. And I'll get home, and I will hopefully enjoy it with yeah. a Giants win with our buddies. You think you got a rough one? I got a quick turnaround time. I'm going to get home about one in the morning. I got to get up at five o'clock to fly down to Florida because some of us have playoffs for baseball. Most of you don't, but I do. So I have a crazy, really quick. My itinerary for the next eight days is Monday night football, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday playoffs, Gainesville Saturday for Giants. Van, uh, Gators Vandy Sunday in Miami for Giants Dolphins. So sleep will be at a premium. I'm hoping I get some wins out of all of this. Somewhere in between all of that, we will be recording episodes. So this is a Monday night game. You yes. cannot expect a review episode to be up Tuesday morning. We like to take our time, rewatch the game, get ourselves settled, not be too emotional. So the review episode will be available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, and of course YouTube on Wednesday morning. We will have a special uh, quarter, first quarter of the season recap episode on Thursday morning. And on Friday morning, we will have our preview episode for the week five matchup against the Miami Dolphins. So tons of just giant stuff coming out, being spread out across the week this week. So be sure you're subscribed so that you can get all that stuff without having to remember anything I just said. It'll just be there in your YouTube feed when it's posted. Um, So we will see you guys at the game if you're attending. We'll see you guys Wednesday morning with our review episode. Until then, go Giants. Giants.